Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Praise the Lord. I want to start off today with Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1. And that says this, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So I believe our church is a praying church. And a lot of the prayer happens in small group settings, and we have so many prayer groups in our church. Well, Jesus, he was meeting with his small group here, his close in, and he was praying. And when he finished praying, uh, the, his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. There must have been something about prayer and Jesus praying that put a hunger into the disciples. They wanted to learn how to pray. I think it's a significant thing when all Christians have a desire like, Lord, I, I want to learn how to pray. And so I, I pray that everyone would have that desire that, that you actually want to learn how to pray. And if you have that desire, is, is it okay to say that Jesus, out of anyone, is the one we should esteem more than anyone for as far as what he said about prayer? Jesus said a lot of things about prayer, and he said a lot of things about faith. So what I'd like to do today, uh, as Naomi said when she was uh, re- doing uh, communion, we're going to do a little scriptural shower. I won't take a lot of time here, but I think it's really important that we see what Jesus said. It carries a lot more weight than what I would say. So let's look at some things here. Matthew 8, verse 10 said, When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And just notice how he talks about faith. Uh, Matthew eight twenty six, And he said to them, Why are you so afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So he's talking about faith, but then he exhibits faith. Uh, Matthew 9, 22, Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And then Matthew 9, 29, Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And then Matthew 14, 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Matthew 15, 28, then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith, be it done to you, be it done for you as you desire. And notice that, it's as you desire. Uh, And her daughter was healed instantly. Matthew 16, 8. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing amongst yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Matthew 21, 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. Mark 4, 40. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Mark 5, 34. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Mark 10, 52, and Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. 
Luke 18, 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Seems like Jesus uh, himself is like he wants to find faith on the earth when he comes. And then here's what the epistles say. Hebrews 4, 2. That says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us. That's the Hebrews after Jesus was here. As to them, that's the Jews before Jesus. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. So God has always required us people when we hear his word to mix faith with it, both in the old covenant and even in the new covenant, both covenants. And if you mix faith with his word, it's profitable. That's what he's saying. And then James 4, 2, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. But here's what we really want to see. That other part's not the greatest, but here's something important. You do not have because you do not ask. Now, We've just looked at all those scriptures, so there's so many voices out there, and a lot of talk goes on amongst Christians, and we call it different views. But I think the Bible's view and Jesus' view is where we should put the most weight. I think everyone here would agree with that. And so if you notice there, if the Bible says you do not have because you do not ask, would that not imply that if we just wake up in the morning and say, well, I wonder how my day is going to go, and I wonder what is going to come to me or not come, or et cetera, but there's certain things that we need, and we just sit and wait for God, but the Scripture says you don't have because you don't ask. So I think it's really important for Christians to know and think, okay, that carries a lot of weight. So there's certain things, I'll say this first, Smith Wigglesworth from England, who many people fed on his books, and he fed many people along the lines of faith. And he said this, he said, when I wake up in the morning, I don't wonder how my day is going to go. I pray about it, I declare, I say things. That's, and, and that's, so let me, let me explain that because what was, he was not saying this. He wasn't saying that I'm a God unto myself. I'm a little God. And now I, I just run everything. He wasn't saying that. What he meant when he said that was anything that Jesus bought and paid for that has been promised to me, I'm going to declare and pray those things because they belong to me. But he wasn't saying that God couldn't lead him like, when I wake up in the morning, the Lord might lead somebody to me, and I don't know that's going to happen, and I don't control that. He might lead somebody to me that he wants me to share the gospel with. Or he might lead me to somebody to share the gospel with somebody. He can lead and direct and guide me. So in no way would anyone be implying that they're like this little God unto themselves, and they control everything, and, and God has no place. What Smith Wigglesworth was saying is, if it's been bought, if it's been paid for, if it's been purchased... I can take that and I can declare, this is how my day is going to go. So that, that's what he was saying. And I think it's important because sometimes, as they say, we throw out the bath, the baby with the bathwater. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Get rid of the bathwater, but keep the baby, right? 
So we want to make sure we hold on to the things that are profitable. And that's what we're going to look at. Now, then I wanted to say this too, because we hear words like receiving and commanding and declaring and speaking to mountains and possessing promises. But I want you to know, because we've lived on four continents. So our, we, we were, I was, of course, born in the States. And uh, let me see, how old was I? I was like about 35 or six years old when we moved to our second continent. We moved to Sicily. We moved over to the European continent. And so we were going there to pioneer a Bible school in Sicily. And there was a church that was hosting us. It happened to be the largest church in the whole country. It was a church of 2,000 people. That's a good-sized church in a nation that's predominantly Catholic. And not only, the government's almost tied in with their religion. So to have a church that isn't Catholic with 2,000 people, quite a thing. And the pastor of that church was a medical doctor. And sometimes I've said ex-medical doctor, but he was still licensed to practice medicine while he was pastoring. But he just, God just gave him the calling to pastor, so he had to put his medical profession aside. Very educated man, and, uh, and, but he, he had to go with God's call, so he, he began to do ministry. So here's the story with them. We, the first, when we first arrived, we walked into their auditorium, and there was like wheelchairs and crutches and all these things hanging on the walls, and, uh, and it's, it's just people that walked out of wheelchairs and people that no longer needed their crutches. And then as we got to know them, they told us the story. They said, we were spending time with the Lord. And the Lord talked to us and showed us about faith and about healing. And then we found it in the word and we began to do it on the, in, in a different language. I mean, Lord, parlo no italiano. I just said they speak it, it, Italian there. I didn't pronounce it right. And if I was over there, they would have said, you speak English. That's not your first language. <laughs> but Lord, no, parlo italiano. Is it parlo no? Yeah. Yeah, see. But anyway, they speak a different language, and they got something from God, and they started to practice it and had great results, great fruit. And, and why am I saying that? Because, well, I want all of us to know this is much bigger than a few people. So, because there's talk out there, well, this, this came from Texas or Oklahoma, and it's gone around the world. But I can tell you this, it came from heaven, it's in God's word, and it's gone around the world, and it's much bigger than a couple, two people. That some, a lot of times people say, well, that's, you know, that's this, it's name it and claim it or blab it and grab it. It's much bigger than that. And you know what, this church in Sicily, they said, we were doing all this and we, we searched to find people that believe like us because we wanted to have a Bible school and we found you. And we invited you over here because you believe like us. So no one can tell me that this is just a couple people. This is world. This is the world. And so we first of all looked at what Jesus said. That carries a lot of weight. Now, this, is, um, this then is worldwide, different languages. Now, let's look at this. This is a quote, and this is by Fred Price. He's up in heaven now, lived to 90-something uh, years old. He says, everything in the kingdom of God is going to be activated and accessed by your faith. Strong statement, 
But if you're sitting here and you're a Christian, do you realize the first time that you used faith concerning God was when you received Jesus as Lord? You used your faith, and that's why you're a Christian. So every Christian used faith. Okay. Now, concerning this, he puts such a heavy um, value on faith. Whereas some could say, well, but I thought the Bible says faith, hope, and love, and love is the greatest, so how could he say that? Because love is the greatest, and he's really putting a lot of weight on faith. But here's what he said about that. He says this, he said, love is the motivator, but faith is the activator. And what a statement that is. Love is the motivator. And he would further go on to explain that love should be our motivator. We serve God because we love him. We give our tithe because we love God. We pray for people because we love God. We minister because we love God. We don't do it because we want to be great. We don't do it for our own, but we do everything. And faith is the same way. Love is the, faith works by love. Love is the motivator, but faith is the activator and faith is necessary. So we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay. And then let's just look at one last thing and then we'll get into some things. But let's also look at this. Like um, these are some things that Jesus could have said, but he didn't. I'm just going to look at two of them. So the first thing we want to look at, like Jesus could have said this, but he didn't. And that was when Peter had a failure walking on the water. So if you look at uh, Matthew 14 and verse 31, it says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So notice what Jesus did say. Peter's walking on the water. He's doing the supernatural. There was some wind and some waves, and he, he became fearful, and he began to sink. sink. Jesus helped him up. And when Jesus helped him up, here's what he did not say. He did not say, it wasn't my will for you to walk on the water. Because Jesus said, come. And as soon as he said, come, it was his will. And then he didn't say, it was my will for a brief time, but I changed my mind. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I know I told you to come, but I really didn't mean that. He didn't say that. He said, it's prideful for you to, he didn't say this. It's prideful for you to think you can step out in faith like that. Who do you think you are? You're so full of pride. He also didn't say that. Because like sometimes when a Christian decides to step out and act on the word, sometimes people say, well, you're so full of pride. And all they're really doing is taking God's word and wanting to step out and act on it. Good to see you, Bronson. Been a long time. I've been lifting. No, just playing around. He didn't say any of those things. He could have said it, but if he would have said it, he would have been going against his own word. Okay? So we have to put a lot of weight and esteem what he said greatly. He really made a big thing out of faith. And so as a church, as Christians, we want to make sure we understand that faith can move mountains. We're going to look into it today. Let's look at one more. Um, in, in the epileptic son, Matthew 17 and verse 16, it says, and I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. So this is like the epileptic son. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, 
how long am I to be with you? How long am I to, to bear with you? Bring him here to me. So here the, the disciples had a faith failure. And then Jesus comes and he, he didn't, he, he, and I'll, I'll look, we'll see what he didn't say. But let's just then, the disciples, let's do this scripture, then I'll say those things. Then a little bit later, the disciples were with Jesus privately and they said, why couldn't we do this? And he said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. So again, Jesus could have said, well, you couldn't do it because it really wasn't my will. But Jesus didn't say that. And so it's really important for us to know, sometimes we think if it doesn't happen, it isn't his will, and we really don't turn the flashlight on ourselves you know, the spotlight to examine ourselves. So I say that I've had some faith failures, but I'm not going to turn that spotlight on God and point my finger at him. I just realized as we were driving in this morning, I didn't tell Patsy this, but I realized that I almost died in America because of something stupid I did. And it, I, I messed with my health and it was my fault. And, and I almost died in Italy and I almost died in Australia. I almost died three times, you know, and I can stand up here and I'm thankful that I'm standing here. Thank the Lord for that. And I'm well, but when, when I almost died in the States, it was something I didn't take care of and, it, and a little procedure would have fixed it. And Patsy was telling me, ah, I was going like that. And I came close to dying. I had the procedure done. And you know, this is back when I was a lot younger, Mr. Tough guy. And I got on an airplane the next day and we moved to Sicily the day after my procedure, which was not smart. People said, you should postpone. I said, I'm going, you know, like Mr. Faith, man. And so I had complications by flying over the ocean, and I got to Sicily, and I almost died the first night we were in Sicily. But the Lord delivered me. You know, I'm laying, like, I, I, I woke up, and I'm thinking, it's not good. She woke up, and she knew something was serious. So you know what? The weirdest thing happened in Sicily I'm laying there, and it's like I felt death on me. And you know what I felt led to do? Laugh. So it was in the middle of the summer in Sicily, and they didn't have, you know, they don't have all the, you know, in Sicily, they don't all have air conditioning. So the windows were open, and we're in like a town, and all these, and I start laughing as loud as I could. could. I, I mean, I was just laughing. It was belly laughing, and you could see lights coming on in the neighborhood. But honestly, something came out of heaven. I'm telling you, it was the spirit of God. And I felt a change and I went to sleep and I woke up the next day and the Lord gave me one other practical thing to do and I, I, I lived. <laughs> but <laughs> praise the Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I could, <laughs> I'm glad I'm still walking on the earth. But out of any of those things, I never blamed God for that. And I never wondered about his will. I thought I was responsible for that. You know, so it's, it's good to, it's not good to turn on God. He's the potter and we're the clay. Okay. So here again, so he told them he didn't, uh, what he didn't say speaks loudly. So then let's just say this. Um, what things do we use faith for? We use faith for salvation, everyday living, receiving promises, and serving the Lord. That's what we use our faith for. And so if you're a Christian, you use your faith to become a Christian. And then we have the opportunity to use faith on a daily basis. 
we use faith to receive his promises and even to serve. It takes faith to serve God. It, it takes a good amount of faith to stay with it, to stay consistent and not to quit. But here's the thing, and this is very important. What does God give grace for? Because grace will precede faith. And so God gives grace for salvation, everyday living, receiving promises, and serving the Lord. And faith without grace becomes heavy, legalistic, difficult, unfruitful, because grace will always precede faith. By grace you are saved through faith. The unmerited favor of God and what he did in Christ, that gives us something to put our faith in. The stripes of Jesus, by his stripes were healed. The sacrifice and how Jesus took stripes on his back so we could be healed, there's grace for healing, and so we're able to put faith in God's grace to be healed. Faith without grace will wear you down. And so it's very important as I minister these things, not to become legalistic. And that would never be my intention. Here's the three scriptures we're going to look at now. And that's Mark eleven twenty three. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. So notice whoever says to the mountain. And then Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, Believe that you receive it, and it will be yours. Notice whatever you ask. What, whoever says to the mountain, whatever you ask in prayer. And then Ephesians 6, 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So that's what we want to speak of today. I'm calling it move it, receive it, and prevent it. We can move mountains. We can receive promises. And we can prevent things from happening by putting up a shield of faith. All of those things are available to us. Okay, so we'll look into it. So, um, and we, I've said this before, these three scriptures, they show us three ways that we can release faith. We can release faith like a shield, we can release it like a sword, and we can release it like a hand. And we're going to look into that today. So here's, um, here's uh, something I, I put together to make it easier. And this will be on, on YouTube uh, later if you want to look at it to get these. Or you can snapshot it now if you want. But the sword, that's Mark eleven twenty three. That's We can move it. You move it. That's You get offensive. The sword is for an offensive. It needs moved and we say to it. Okay? That's one way we can release faith. The hand is we receive it. We get receptive. We need a promise and we ask him. Okay? And the shield is like we prevent it. We get defensive to prevent something. We take up the shield. And God's given us those things and Jesus put great weight on it. So I, I will always stay with what Jesus said. Um, he is the potter and we are the clay. Um, now, I, I, I remember when I first started to learn these things, I was, let me think, maybe 24 years old. 
And then I remember I moved to Tulsa when I was about 25, six or seven years old, somewhere in there. But I'm a young guy and I just happen to be a healthy young guy. And I go to a place that there's like a move of God going on and there's teaching about faith and authority about speaking to mountains. But I've never really been sick back then. And so I'm hearing it as a young Christian. I'm a young Christian. I've never really been sick. I grew up in a family with six brothers and we were rough and tough. Didn't know a lot about compassion. We were like cocky and we were always confronting one another. And I hear this message. So the way, I, the way that I carried this message and the way that I stewarded it was offensive. And, and I just pray as the body of Christ, you know, that we, when we look into these things that none of us will become offensive with the message. Jesus was always moved with compassion. And so even like when Jesus, all those things that he said about faith, I more like see Jesus saying it this way. He didn't say, because of your little faith. I don't think, I, I see Jesus more like, it was because of your little faith. And more like compassionate and tender. Like, I, I, I want to help you with this. This is the way we, so, so there's other, others in the body of Christ, they might not see it this way, but are we going to help them if we point a finger at them and say, you should confess this and you should confess that and it's, it's because of this and you have no, you know, and so what does that do? It just really, it makes, it, it, it doesn't help the message. And I don't mean our message, I mean the Bible message. So to be moved with compassion is a big thing. So I know that as our church, we, we believe in unity. We believe in getting along with the body of Christ. But we also believe that everything in the Bible should be taught. And so we're teaching it, but we're going to be moved with compassion and we're going to help people. Okay. All right. So let's break it down a little bit. Let's look at the shield. Um, so the shield is Ephesians 6.16. It says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So let's break that down a little bit. Uh, it's, it's like, when do we do it? When? In all circumstances. So that kind of like covers everything. You can put up a shield of faith in all circumstances. So even if there's persecution, there's a lot of things going on out there in the world right now. So we've said this before as a church family. Um, our doors will remain open to everyone. We trust that there will not be any restrictions, but whether you're vaccinated or not, we receive everyone equally, and we will not even get into that. We won't get into that, okay? And, but there's, it's going on out there. So we have no problem with anyone who chooses or doesn't choose. If, and we said this before, if you choose, make sure you have the shield of faith up no deadly thing will harm me. There's a lot out there being said, but I've listened to both sides of it. You know, I think it's good for everyone to listen to both sides. It can uh, water down the anger. You know, you only listen to one side, it can create anger. You listen to both sides and you see what's saying. Then you ask the Lord, what should I do? And you follow after peace. But we're not going to fight about that. 
and I, there's enough fighting going on out there. The body of Christ needs to stay in unity within a local church and with other local churches. We all need to be in unity. But this shield of faith is so effective. So even what's going on, you, you choose to get that vaccine, you put up that shield of faith. No deadly thing will harm me. There will be no collateral damage. You know, I say collateral damage because like a long time ago, Arnold made a movie called Collateral Damage. <laughs> no collateral damage. No side effects. In Jesus' name. And you put that shield up. And you've, So here's what I did concerning this. I'll, I'll read these scriptures first and then we'll see um, the other thing. But here's something that Paul said, um, he said, well, let me finish this. What do we do? We, it's in all circumstances. Uh, so what do we do? We take up the shield. What does it do? It quenches the fiery darts. That's just real practical. But 2 Timothy 4.18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his kingdom. This is one of the most persecuted people ever, Paul the Apostle. And look at how positive he is, even for the Lord protecting him. He, was, he, he stayed with it. And then look at second, he, he, his expectancy was always good. And he was very persecuted. And it wasn't like little verbal things, you Christian, you. You don't believe like I do. No, it was like throwing, he was getting stoned. He, was, he had stripes put on his back. And look at how he stayed. He was full, full of God, full of the word. Second Timothy 3.11 my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Protection. Okay? So this is really different now. What, he, what we're looking at, it's different from the persecution. That's different from accidents, tragedies, anything that we're redeemed from, like sickness, those things that Jesus died for, and even the devil lying, the quenching the fiery darts of the wicked one. So when we talk about putting up a shield, because Jesus bought and paid for our, our healing, we can put up a shield to prevent things. Some, you can wait, you know, somebody said it once this way, you can wait till you need healing, and God will definitely give it, but you can also put up a shield to prevent it because it's been bought and paid for, okay? So it's our choice. Here, here's the thing, you know, we're all gonna spend eternity in heaven, and I don't like this personally, I'm just being honest with you, I don't like to be a faith policeman where I listen to what people say and say, watch your confession and don't say that. I just won't go there. You know, I teach the word and it, go, it falls, and then people, they choose how they wanna live it, but we're not here to criticize one another, to be policemen of their confession, to belittle them with the way that we present faith and make them fear, feel inferior. It's not about that. We're presenting what the Bible says. And how people walk in it, we just need to like love one another and help one another and be moved with compassion. Is that okay? So none of this that I'm saying today is to make anybody feel in any way inferior. I almost died three times. Why would I want to try to make anyone feel inferior? And I'm just grateful for God's goodness. 
Okay, so, but, but concerning accidents and tragedies and things that we're redeemed from, uh, this, this is how we can put up a shield for those things. So here's what I do with my two daughters and my two son-in-laws and my wife. I do this almost on a daily basis because I don't get into legalism. And it's, and I, I, you know, if I miss a day, I don't like beat myself and feel like I won't, don't go there. But I try to do this on a daily basis. And I say this over the six people in our family. So for, and here's the scriptures. I, I, got, I got these for you so you can read these scriptures and you can do the same. So you can put that slide up if you would like. But concerning a weapon, Isaiah 54, 17, evil, Psalm 91, 10, no deadly thing, Mark 16, 18. So I just simply pray like this. I, 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 I name the names like Mitch and Anna sitting over there and uh, love them. Then Lily and Anna. I mean, Lily and Anna, sorry, Evan and Lily in America, and then Patsy and myself, and I'll call our names, you know, and I'll say, no evil will come near any of our dwellings in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against us will prosper in Jesus' name. No deadly thing will harm us in Jesus' name. So, you know, over in the States, Evan and Lily, they chose to get the vaccine. I've, I've heard on both sides, but when I heard it, I, I didn't say, well, why'd you do? I thought, no deadly thing will harm them in Jesus' name. We don't go the other way. We stay with the word. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. And so anybody, so, you know, and what you want to do, whether you receive that or not, you want to stay there. Just don't do it once. You want to stay there all the time saying no deadly thing will harm you. And, and, you know, just think about this, too, uh, that years down the road, you just, this is like putting like a lifestyle in place that you just don't do it one time, but it's for years down the road. This is what you believe. No deadly thing will harm me. No evil will come near my dwelling and no weapon formed against me will prosper. Okay. So let's look at the next one. Hand. Receiving, releasing faith like a hand. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And then Matthew twenty one twenty two. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So there, Jesus is saying this. I believe he's saying it from compassion and not a pointing the finger. And that's what I believe he's saying to us. Uh, he's saying, listen, if you ask for something and you believe you receive it, you'll have it. Now, of course, and I say this, but I don't want to assume everyone knows this, it needs to line up with God's word. And there's been many silly things throughout the years that people have done, like I've named some of them previously, like back when we lived in the States, and, you know, Texas has oil, there's oil in Texas, so little things like somebody sells another Texan I'm going to believe God for you that you're going to have 50 oil wells on your property. And the person says, come on now. Where's, the, what's, where's that in the Bible that you can stand on that I'll have 50 oil wells on my acre of land? You know, you know so because of those kind of things, and people throw, they throw the baby out with the bathwater. But if there is a promise, then we can feed on it and we can ask for it, 
okay? So it lines up with the word, okay? So it's really breaking it down, choose a promise from God's word, uh, and if there is a promise, then we know we find that promise, and then we ask, and then believe we receive it. Now that is, it's easy to find a promise for most people. I mean, you can Google stuff and find Bible verses. That's easy. Asking, it's easy to ask, but here's where people find the challenge. Believe we receive it. So if you struggle in that area, there can be a few things that cause you to struggle. Some people, and, and I'll, I'll just hit a few of them, maybe you don't feel like you're spiritual enough or you're not just worthy to have something that God promised. And so to, you have to get over that hump. So the throne room of grace is available. We, uh, Naomi led us in communion today. Even uh, since you came into church, if you did communion, what we did is we thank God that the blood cleanses us. We're cleansed by his blood. It needs to become really real to every Christian that there's forgiveness and cleansing. And it's not based upon your goodness or your works because sometimes that's a real roadblock that people have. Well, I'm just not, I'm just not really good enough, so why would God give me something? But we weren't good enough to get saved. We're not we're not good enough for anything. The, fast, the sooner everyone accepts that, the better off everyone is. None of us deserve anything. When you start thinking you deserve something, you need to get on your knees and go to the throne room and ask God to forgive you for your, your pride. Because none of us are good enough for anything. Our works are as filthy rags. It is by grace through faith. And when it leaves the grace thing, it becomes ugly. It's like a footy game. You know, it's ugly in the spiritual realm. Difficult. So, believing you receive it, getting past that thing where you, you don't feel worthy, understanding that we're cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. He's made us clean. He's qualified us. To be able to receive. It's him. He gets all the glory. See one thing about this. When you teach and preach it. It's very important that people don't start taking the glory. I prayed. And this is what I got. You know like. There is another verse. You know. I believe in testimony. So don't take that the wrong way. But their testimonies are powerful. But it's, it's, it's the way in which we give them. That can make people feel inferior. And we don't, that's not what we're after. It's not, it's about everyone can do this. You see what I'm saying is, I'm just kind of doing, being a pastor here. Um, so believe you receive it, getting past that part, but then also then, okay, so you're past that part and you, you know that you're worthy and you're qualified, but then let's look at this then then you actually have to believe you receive it. If you're struggling because you really don't believe you receive it, what do you do? That's really easy. I simply go to the promise and I read that. I feed on it. And, if I, and I found this. If I read on it and feed on it, it, it's like a refreshing. Although I know it in my head, it gets really real in my heart. And then I thought, that belongs to me. By his stripes, I am healed. It's like, oh man, it's like, 
it's already taken care of. By his stripes I am healed. I can pray this and I can believe this. So it's just, you just go back to the promise and repeat when necessary. Praise the Lord. Let's look at the sword. Last one. Mark eleven twenty three. You know, I, I didn't realize that there was like four scriptures about this. This is one of the most criticized things about speaking the mountains. And it just happens they have four scriptures about it. Speaking, you know, so, and Jesus is the one that said them all. So I think maybe what happened is people that minister this and some of the ones that followed people that minister it, they didn't really steward it very well and they turned a lot of people off so they threw the baby out with the bathwater, and so there is some kind of a mocking thing sometimes about speaking the mountains. You're one of those kind. Believe it, receive it, blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. I've taken every kind of... I, but none of that phases me. And here's the thing. I can sit and really enjoy lunch with a person that thinks that because we're, if he believes Jesus is Lord, or, then we're brothers and that doesn't hurt. I can take it and we all need to be able to take it. And we need to not respond with back ugly and with criticism. I believe Jesus would try to help somebody. Okay, so I think we can be good stewards of this. We don't have to back off of the word. We can be good stewards of it, and we can help other people get it. So let's look at this last one. We'll, we'll read some scriptures. Mark eleven twenty three. It says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Don't you like, I, I got these, these things, like I found them on Shutterstock. You know, Nice. And uh, I wish we could keep that up there longer, but I have three other scriptures to read. So we're going to have to move on, but I really like that one. Okay, and then Matthew 17, 20. He said to them, because of your f little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And then Matthew 21, 20. Jesus answered them, Truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain. So Jesus did the fig tree to illustrate that we can speak to mountains. And mountains, you know, that's like a, it's like a type of a problem, any kind of problem, a mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. I like the fact that he said thrown into the sea because if you throw something in the sea, it's hard to find it. God loves us so much and he's given us these ways to release our faith and he wants to take, he wants these things to be gone completely. Thrown into the sea means you can't find it. And then one last one. <clears throat> uh, Luke 17, 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith and don't we all have that thought like do I have enough faith the faith thing is like when you believe when you can believe you receive it that means you, you have faith but here's an interesting thing that Jesus said he said if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed mustard seed is out of the, 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 um, the herb trees 
It's the biggest, the largest herb tree from what I read, but the seed is the smallest seed. So it's interesting out of all those herb, herb trees or herb trees that the smallest seed produces the biggest plant. And so it is with faith. Just a little bit of faith can move a mountain. That's what Jesus is saying. So you focus, if you get too much like self-focus, that's why if, you, if we stay Christ-focused and grace-focused and not self-focused, we do better. So he said, a grain of mustard, you could say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. You know, I, I know that this, you know, when I say this, I know that it's been highly criticized for years, but I'm just going to say that we can speak to sickness and disease, and, and if we do it like the Bible says, it must obey us. I, I, you know, I, I just don't want to back off of what Jesus told us. You can speak, you speak to demons, sickness and disease, and according to this, you can move it and it must obey. We can move it, we can receive it, we can prevent it. According to what we're reading here, we don't want to back off that, okay? So here's the breakdown on this. A mountain is a problem, and so what we do for the mountain is we get a promise. It's always like find the promise, and then we speak to the mountain. Then here is the, the more difficult part. We don't doubt in our heart, but we believe we receive it. And the same thing for this is the other one, the hand. What do we do if we're struggling when you speak? Well, you... I find it necessary to read the scripture. So if, it, if it's healing, I go to Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 2, 24, and I, and I read that. And I especially focus in on by his stripes, I am, past tense, healed. And I just, I'll just read that over and over because I, that, that helped me to believe I receive. I've prayed before and, and got nothing. But that's because I've, I've taught this for years. I mean, I first heard this when I was something like 24 years old, and I, and I you know, I'm, I'm a lot older than that now. And so I can teach out of my head, but it's a whole different thing when you speak out of your heart. So don't trust your head. Stay in your heart, okay? So I, I read scripture, and I go over it numerous times. I, I go to the promise numerous times. And the reason I do it, so I can believe and not doubt, it isn't a head thing, it's a heart thing. I'm going to invite the worship team up, and we're, and, um, we're, we're going to uh, we're gonna sing together right now because it, it'll be a blessing. And as they're, as they're coming, this one last thing, it says, what you say, believe what you say, will come to pass. That's one of the elements there. So you speak, you do not doubt, and you believe what you say will come to pass. That is what we prepare ourselves for. So I like to say it this way. If you're not prepared, if you know when you're, you know when you get to this place where you can believe you receive and what you say will come to pass. If you're not at that place, then just stay in the word and keep reading, that, keep reading that scripture over until you get to that place. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
You can just stay seated. We're just going to, this song will be a blessing and help us. their faith in a good way because the world has negative faith when the news says something bad and people believe it and say it that's negative faith but the first time that you would use faith as far as with God is when you heard that Jesus died for you and took your sin and you received him that was the first time you used faith concerning God in that way if you're with us today and you haven't used your faith to receive Jesus as your Lord. We'd like to give you that opportunity. We're going to pray real quick. Just what the Bible says, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And then also in John 3, 3, it says, unless a man is born again, 
He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus explained that to Nicodemus. Nicodemus said, how can you be born twice? Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So we're all sitting here in our flesh. But the Christians here, their spirit has been born again. You're alive. Maybe you're here today and you're not alive, but you say, hey, I, I'm ready to confess Jesus as Lord. I, wanna, I want that. So we want to lead you in the prayer. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, you, you'd be saved. I'd like to lead you in that prayer. And if you're going to pray that today, you just know in your heart you need a Savior. You can't save yourself and that you realize Jesus is the way. I encourage when you pray this today to engage your heart, to pray it with all your heart. I like closing my eyes when I do that and really concentrating. So we're, the, the, our church family is going to say this along. So if you're sitting or if you're online, this is your opportunity to exercise faith and receive Jesus as your Lord. So let's do this. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you sent Jesus for me. Jesus died, you died for me. You were raised from the dead for me. You took my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. I welcome you into my heart, my life. I give myself to you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Amen. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.